Well, hello there. This is the host of Sacred Realms, Lyndon Willoughby. I wanted to give a small preface to this episode, which was originally released as a bonus episode. The first one we actually did um, attached to our Patreon page. And I think that one went back, oh man, that one went up back right around when we first got into Ocarina of Time, started all this stuff up to begin with. Um, we are releasing it to the public now because it's been a little while and uh, we've got other Patreon exclusive bonus episodes um, that uh, people who are paying into that can enjoy on that page. But this one felt very relevant to release now as we're going into E3 starts this weekend. We've got a big Nintendo presentation that should be happening on Tuesday. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in this episode is either going to get confirmed or denied within the next few days. So for that reason alone, it seemed like a good time to release this one out onto the iTunes or excuse me, Apple Podcasts channel, Spotify, all those other places. Um, the other reason we're releasing this is that we want to give you guys a sampling of the kind of content that we make that is not tied directly to the retrospective podcast part of our show, which is playing a section game every week and then talking about it. We're doing about four bonus episodes per season, and um, we have all four of those in the rearview mirror now for our Ocarina of Time season, and they've all led to some really great content. So, um, you know, we just want you guys to know that... Uh, if you if you do want to get into a bit more generalized conversation around Zelda or what have you, then we're we're doing a little bit of that as well. So really hope you guys enjoy this. I don't think that uh let's see. I don't think that anything we talk about in this episode has been disproven since we had this conversation, so it's all still pretty relevant. But regardless, I hope that you enjoy it and look forward to E3 coming up in just a few days. We'll have a bonus episode as part of our Link's Awakening season that will be coming out next week or the week after where we kind of break down uh, whatever Nintendo happens to have announced there. So that'll be a whole lot of fun and we're really excited to see what comes from that. So anyway, on with the show. Welcome to Sacred Realms. <laughs> It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, joined as always by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. Let's do our first bonus episode for the people who pay us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for all of you who, who uh, are comfortable shaking something loose every month to toss our way, we really, really appreciate you. Um, we're going to we're going to try to get content going through the Patreon that is going to make you feel like it was worth your investment. So this is uh, this is step one of that process. What if this sucks? Then we suck. Dang. Okay. We don't suck. And Kylie's here, so it can't suck that bad. Yeah, I was going to say, Kylie, Kylie is Kylie instantly elevates any conversation that we have. So like, like, try. You got, no, you guys do great on your own. You guys don't need me. Kylie, you're our safety net. Thank you. <laughs> So anyway, as we just alluded to, for our first bonus podcast, we are joined by Kylie Parker, a.k.a. Captain Dangerous on Twitter or Dangerous Pixels, and she will be helping us through our conversation today, which is... Hold on. I got a little bit more spiel to go through. I want to give the spiel. You're getting ahead. Dude, 
one one day one day you shall give the spiel grasshopper right now i am the sensei and um more than anything else i hold the keys to everything and i know the passwords so that's um, true what i say goes hail senpai yeah uh we're actually we're recording this right after uh like immediately five minutes after our um our ocarina episode for the week which uh should be up on all podcast uh networks uh at the same time that this is live so go check that out but anyway we're all we've been having a great time tonight so this is this is going to be even more fun um as matt said kylie parker aka dangerous pixels does some amazing work uh kylie where can people find that work i am captain dangerous on instagram um i am captain i think it's captain dangerous 819 on twitter Okay, excellent. So, will Matt? Are you were you looking that up? Just I, I am. Uh, it is at Captain Captain C A P T Dangerous sixty four. Thank you. I was like, I couldn't remember how the full because like my actual title says Captain Dangerous, but I know the handles yes. are different. So yep. I was like, yep. mm, I'm pretty sure that's it. <laughs> so there you go. Go uh, go. Drop Kylie a, a like and a follow, and keep up with her work because she makes amazing stuff. Um, <laughs> any time I'm going to get some housekeeping out of the way before we get into the meat of this episode. Um, as you guys know, sacred realms is generally a, a weekly reexamination of the legend of Zelda. One little slice at a time. Those main episodes drop every Wednesday and are available on all podcast networks. These episodes are what you are getting as part of your Patreon subscription. And again, we really appreciate that. Um, if you guys in our Patreon have not yet gone over to your podcast network of choice and left us a five-star review and a rating uh we would really appreciate you doing that uh the more people that do that the more people see the podcast and the bigger this whole thing gets uh so that would that would make us very happy you know we, we're shooting for success here we're shooting for the stars the moon one might say or the is the Majora's mask moon or is the, the one with the creepy face right or is the moon shooting for us yes i don't like Ooh. that i don't that one's scarier i don't like okay that sounds great one one more bit of housekeeping for you patrons um as you may have noticed if you follow our social channels and i also posted in the patreon account today we do have the first month's trading cards in hand they came out great all of you guys who pledged that level this first month do get that free extra great uh great deku tree trading card in addition to the temple of time one so really looking forward to cranking those out for you guys every month um look forward to a new design in may and we'll start getting the current ones mailed out in the next few weeks so you should see those coming through very soon without further ado i want to go ahead and introduce our topic of conversation for this episode which is zelda's 35th anniversary and what we hope to happen and what we expect to happen um before the before this celebration is over um and and i think we you know we've all got we've all got things that we would love to see them do with zelda we all have a wish list as long as our arm about you know oh you know if if it were up to me what would nintendo do with zelda this year but i think we have to separate our wildest dreams from what is realistically possible and what we can make an educated guess on based on Nintendo's past history celebrating anniversaries, one of which they did very recently last year with Mario's 35th anniversary. And that included a re-release of several older games, um, a lot of merch, um, uh, a, a, a battle Royale, a limited time battle Royale on the switch. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely some fanfare around it. And, and I would say, and Matt and Kylie disagree if you 
uh, if you want. But I think that Zelda, even though Link does not have as broad appeal as Mario does as a mascot, I think that Zelda is as integral a property to Nintendo as Mario is. And is the superior title or is the superior property just on a game quality standpoint? Kylie, I'll let you go first on that one. Okay. Um, no, I definitely feel like when it comes to like Nintendo, I mean, you think, I mean, yeah, like Mario, you know, pops up in your head. Like, you know, he's, he's the mascot more or less. Yes. But I feel like Zelda is so close to that. I feel like they're like the big two. Like they definitely both shine together. And I definitely feel like it should get the same treatment that Mario did um, in the sense of, you know, having like an anniversary thing. And so I feel like, you know, obviously Mario has kind of had his thing and we're kind of waiting for, for okay, what's, what's the big Zelda thing? Like what's the Zelda 35th thing? Um, and I think we just kind of have to be patient with it. I, I am positive that they're going to do something because honestly, I would be absolutely shocked if they did not do anything, I truly would be floored if they didn't do anything. So here's I, a, here's a question. Oh, okay. Yeah. So going off of that, just a simple yes or no from you, Matt, and from you, Kylie. Yes. Regardless of, I mean, of course we're going to get Zelda stuff this year. We already know for sure we're getting some of it and we can make, right. some, we can make some really easy guesses about some other things. But do you think that we get an officially branded Zelda 35th anniversary celebration from Nintendo this year. Like I'm talking, they make a logo for it. Like they did with Mario Zelda 35th. I'll let you go first, Matt. Yeah, I I think we do. I think so too. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very quick answers. (laughs) And I think that just makes sense. Right. And I don't know if I don't think that we're going to get that simply because I think that (sighs) Nintendo can be a somewhat sentimental company, right? Like they they are they are aware of the cultural impact that their IP has. I don't think that they would do this kind of celebration just for that reason. I think that we have some very specific things that are coming up in both the life cycle of the Switch and in you know in the life cycle of Zelda as a property and it just happens to coincide at the exact right time to be celebrated along with Zelda's 35th anniversary. Yeah. Right. I, I totally agree. So, you know, just kind of piggybacking off of what Kylie was talking about with like how beloved Zelda is. Um, I'm immediately thinking of a quote in Jason Schreier's book, um, blood, sweat and pixels. It's a great book, by the way, fantastic mm-hmm, book. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking to the creators of shovel Knight, and their goal was to create and this is a um a quote but it's not it's not a direct quote i'm summarizing um they wanted to create an ip that is as recognizable as mario as epic as zelda and as beloved as metroid and so like Mm -hmm. when i think of the the nintendo brand those are the three things i think about i know i personally don't have a a huge background with metroid but for neither does japan Oof. Big oof. Oof. <laughs> oof. Um, but like for me, Zelda just comes to the forefront of that, right? So like when I th- I think Zelda in my life anyway is far more impactful or in, and important than Mario. Um, 
you know, Mario's got all of his fun shoot off games, Mario Party, Mario Kart, Mario drawing, Mario Golf, blah, 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 blah. Like he's he's a mascot. But like when I think of epic or classic Nintendo games, almost every single one of them that comes to mind is a Zelda game. Sure. I think that I agree with you. Mario is more important to Nintendo simply because from a brand recognition. Oh, yeah, it's branding. It's marketing. Yeah, from a a brand recognition standpoint, Mario is as recognizable as Mickey Mouse. And honestly, at this point in entertainment history, might be more recognizable. Like, I mean, that's that's stretching it a little bit. But Mickey Mouse Mouse is hitting a much older, uh, you know, a much older period of entertainment history. And I don't know if he's like as present nowadays as he was. Uh, Granted, I'm older now, so I don't. Well, and I yeah. And like I agree with Lyndon on that because it's like like you said, like, yeah, Mickey Mouse is definitely, you know, kind of reaching in more of like the older classic you know, recognizable characters and everything. Like the dawn of animation. Exactly. And and I feel like uh, Mario is, because honestly, I feel, I feel like there was like a, um, something written up about it where it was like the most recognizable, like mascots or characters or whatever across like various countries. And I know like Mickey Mouse and Mario was like second, like he was like right up there. And I feel like Mario, especially with our generation now, I feel like he's a bit more recognizable um just because he kind of traverses you know everything it's not just you know gaming or whatever he's just you know he's he's a very simple design a pretty simple character you see him you know out like right out and you're like oh yeah that's mario like you know i know exactly who that is and people who don't even play games or into gaming like recognize yeah that's mario like my mother who's like you know in her 50s is like yeah that's mario like you know (laughs) like Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, like they, they definitely pick up on that. And and I've even noticed like, you know, younger kids, um, my um one of my close friends, her her son is really starting to get into Mario and like loves everything Mario and is like obsessed with it. I feel like our generation now and even, you know, the generation of our, our you know, our kids and stuff that are coming up in this now, um, are recognizing, you know, Mario and Pokemon and Zelda way more than they would recognize, you know you know, Mickey Mouse or an older character. I feel like the reason Mickey Mouse is so like seen is because it, you know, it's in everything Disney and Disney owns everything. I mean, speaking candidly. (laughs) No, for sure. I think that, I think that that's all very true. I think the difference between the way that there's a difference in the way Nintendo looks at these things with Mario and Mario's 35th anniversary. They see that as an opportunity to merchandise several different product categories at once. It's not just games, right? Like they can do pins and they can do mm-hmm. that that little game and watch limited edition thing they right, did right. And, you know they uh, because they know that mario just has that level of saturation to support that it's it goes far past just the main mario games um exactly with, with zelda i think it's different when we look at what what nintendo will do for zelda's 35th anniversary i would be surprised if they i would not be surprised if they did an equivalent number of things but I would be surprised if those things are on the same scale, scale, not necessarily scale, but if they go through the same avenues as the Mario stuff did. I think that Zelda's 35th anniversary is going to be very specifically about the games. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it is going to be a time where Nintendo, uh, you know, drops us a few re-releases from their back catalog stuff that um, people 
are really honestly expecting already. I mean, we know we're getting Skyward Sword, so mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a given. But also, I think they're going to take this opportunity to give us uh, Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD. Just go mm-hmm. ahead and move, move those over from the Wii U. Um, and then all of this is going to culminate in probably breath of the wild Two. breath of the wild Two, mm-hmm. alongside the launch of the switch pro or, or, or as I'm hoping they call it the super Nintendo switch. Um, oh my gosh. Oh, fingers crossed. Because like that is, that is a marketing opportunity. I hope they don't miss. Cause that is so awesome. Name. That would yeah. be yeah. awesome. And I, I didn't come up with that on my own, by the way, I think that that was Jeff Grubb, um, who works for uh games beat. He's, he's an excellent excellent um video games journalist and just uh, you want to get this out of the way before we go too far down the rabbit trail of this conversation there are predictions we're going to make and we're not just kind of pulling these out of thin air there are people who are in the know within games journalism who Mm -hmm. are making very informed predictions about why they think we're going to get certain things and it goes a lot further past just your, you know, like your Zelda YouTuber who's like, you know, oh, we're going to get uh, we're going to get Ocarina of Time released on the Switch. And I think we're going to get Majora's Mask released on the Switch. Too. <laughs> right, also, right. also, we're going to get the Oracle games in the style of Link's Awakening. And like and, and, and honestly, all that, is, you I mean, know, we can a, dream, right? <laughs> sure. There's a, there's a difference between, you know, someone trying to trying to get you onto their YouTube channel with a nice clickbaity title and then oh yeah and then somebody who actually has a little bit of insider knowledge paired with some good brains who can make a really good guess at what we're going to get and Jeff Grubb is one of those people so again right. that's you know head over to GamesBeat give him a follow because his predictions um, usually tend to be right um so i guess we're all agreed that we think we're going to get some kind of blowout what do you think we're going to get specifically and Kylie we'll start with you so my guess here, so much like they did the Mario um, 35th, where they had, what was it? Sunshine 64 and Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Galaxy. That was it. Um, I have a feeling, which they may completely, like they may even do even more, but my guess, if they do something similar to that, that it would be. Like you said, it would be um, like a port to to the Switch. So it would be like uh, Wind Waker. It would be, you know, like Twilight Princess. It, it's tough because I, I feel like it would be those main two. But at the same time, they could go different directions. They could mm-hmm. they could have that in like a collector's set like they did the Mario one. But then they could also be like, oh, hey, by the way, on the eShop, we're also like having you be able to down Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and, you know, those other, you were saying, like Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, like they could port that stuff, whether it be HD or not, they could easily do that so you could play it on the Switch. So I guess what I'm trying to kind of figure out is like, what's going to be their big, like if they do the Mario, like they did with Mario, what is going to be the big 35th three? Like, is it going to be, I, I guarantee it's going to be Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. And I would have yeah. thrown Skyward Sword in there, but they already announced it. So I'm like, what would be the third one? Well, and I, I think that if I'm Nintendo, I'm not announcing Wind Waker and Twilight Princess alongside Skyward Sword HD, just because if you do that, then the conversation automatically becomes about Twilight Princess and Wind Waker and Skyward Sword gets kind of like swept under the rug the same exactly. way that like to exactly. Nintendo to Nintendo like they're not stupid. They Which is criminal. Right. Yes. <laughs> but like but but Nintendo knows 
exactly the reputation that Skyward Sword has. So for them right now, their sole focus being le- you know leveled at, at that game, um, I think is uh, very much an intentional effort to try and give it the spotlight, give people give people an opportunity to discover it on better terms than the, janky Wii controls. Yeah, than the janky Wii controls. Because that honestly was the from what I have talked to many many people. Because I did a review on Skyward Sword. I remember a lot. That was the biggest turnoff was was the controls. So I feel like this is kind of a way for them to, I don't want to necessarily like say redeem themselves, but also give people the option of not doing motion, but also being able to play it. Because I know that was the biggest turnoff. Me, I, think- I don't mind the motion. It was a pain in the butt, but I also respect and see where they were coming from with the motion control. Yeah, I think that they want to give Skyward Sword its time in the limelight that it really didn't get, right? Mm-hmm. I think I, I genuinely have to believe, and, and I do believe this, that the, peop- the, the people, men and women at Nintendo, believe in their video games. They believe Agreed. that they make oh, good absolutely. video games. They they believe in the product that they create. And I feel like they probably um, are, are are of the impression and of the opinion that Skyward Sword got a bit of a bad rap because it was trying to outdo the technology platform that it was on, right? Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like it's kind of the same issue that may, you know, maybe Dragon Age Inquisition had when it was tied to the Xbox uh, 360 when it was really exactly. supposed to be an Xbox One game, right? Like it's, right. it's very similar to that. And so what they're trying to do is Hey, let's give you one of our games, which, you know, in my opinion, as I've said before, is my favorite uh, in many, many aspects. Let's give everyone another go at Skyward Sword and kind of lessen, even in some cases, fully take away the thing that people that 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 it was hard to get past. Right. So I've got some numbers for you guys real quick here that I think kind of, I think, I think this will kind of shed some light on why Nintendo is trying to maybe, um, have a, have a nice little, um, second life for Skyward Sword sales numbers for, yeah, sales numbers for, (laughs) yeah, here's, here's some sales numbers for a few Zelda games that came out around and, you know, before and after Skyward Sword wind waker sold, Six, let me make sure I'm reading this right. This is in millions, yeah. Wind Waker sold six million, six point seventy six million copies. Um, sorry, that's I'm. Is that in dollars? Yeah, sales and <laughs> sales in dollars. Yeah, Wind Waker got six point seventy six million dollars in sales. Twilight Princess got nine point nine eight million dollars in sales. Again, Twilight Princess uh, released on two platforms when it launched, yeah. and this is also counting the HD port but that only makes up for 1.13 million so it's not, it's not the largest section of, of that um breath of the wild has sold 23.14 million wow. which is incredible but also like day one switch title and the switch is absolutely killing it so no surprises there right uh, majora's mask uh 6.64 so not bad for a, for a 98 game on the n64 yeah, yeah. Holding steady. Majora's Mask was 2000. Ocarina oh, of Time. Oh, I thought that was 98. Ocarina of Time. He's Ocarina's right. 98 and it had 13. Oh, I always get them mixed up. Okay, all right. We, yeah. we, Matt and I, we were both like, yeah, I know, We were on the same right? page. It's okay, it's okay. And Ocarina of Time had 13.82. Does anyone want to guess sales numbers for Skyward Sword? Uh, 4.1. I'm going to say like 3.9. 3.67. Ah! It hurts me. <laughs> 
hurts me. Yeah. Oh no. And you have to and you have to remember too, people had Wii's. I mean, the Wii was one of is one of the it best was selling an established consoles. Yeah, I, I believe that yeah. it I believe that it was second behind the DS and is now third behind the Switch. And Switch the and the DS with yeah, the DS still so. still winning. I think that's right. Hey! Hey, editing Mike here. So after listening to this episode in editing, I wanted to go back and get some firm numbers on what we're talking about right now, make sure that we have the most accurate information possible. Um, I have a list pulled up of total lifetime console sales in units sold of all the video game consoles, but obviously we're just talking about the Nintendo ones. So uh, the Nintendo DS family of systems does sit at the top with 154 million and i do not believe in fact yes they're not counting the 3ds as part of that so that's just the nintendo ds this list is uh is putting the game boy and the game boy color family of systems at number two but i feel like that's somewhat of a cheat given that there will be some disagreement on whether or not you can count the game boy color as being a part of the same family of systems as the game boy an argument i think could be made that it is a separate console in which case um that would no longer have that second place spot either way so let's let's remove the game boy and the game boy color from this conversation um we have the nintendo ds family then the wii and then the nintendo switch under that so the nintendo switch has not overtaken the wii in total lifetime sales as of this moment it's creeping up there um the nintendo switch has passed 80 million units sold and the wii is sitting at 101 million units sold so if we you know, if we assume that the Switch continues selling at the incredible pace that it has, um, which there's no reason to think that it won't, especially when you consider that we're going to be getting new models of the Switch, presumably this year, uh, very soon, then I think it's it's in, entirely likely that it'll outsell the Wii and the DS. Who knows? But that's where everything stands at this moment. So, um, so anyway, it's not it's not that people didn't have the platform. It's that people just didn't buy Skyward Sword. So I think Nintendo, knowing now that one, tons of people have Switches. Two, people are constantly looking for new things to play on their Switch, and lots of people loved Breath of the Wild. I think they see this as a great opportunity to get Skyward Sword out and triple its original sales numbers. Man, I mm-hmm. hope so. I, I tell mean, you what, I, I don't. I've said this before, but like I, I get, and I know Kylie, you, you're of this opinion that the, the motion controls were super frustrating. Like I get why that would turn people off of the game. I think that was the biggest turnoff, unfortunately. Yeah, I totally get it. What I don't get, and I don't know if there are really very many people out there who are this way. I don't understand how someone could play Skyward Sword all the way through and come away thinking that it was a bad game. Like, I I I don't uh, get that because Skyward Sword is an amazing game. Exactly. Like I said, even me, who was like frustrated with the controls, like I, I cried at the end of the game. I was like, this was amazing. Fee's goodbye is probably the most emotional scene in any Zelda game ever. Oh yeah. And and honestly, the music alone, the music alone, I remember, um, I remember going to the Zelda symphony. Um, and oh my God, we've done best. We've done that. I cried the whole time. (laughs) Oh my God. We went to San Antonio to watch it. It was amazing. Yes, sorry, I, I cried the whole time. Like my so my husband Kyle, he uh <laughs> he surprised me with it. He was like, "Hey, like cuz he knows I love video game symphonies. I was actually going to go to the Final Fantasy 7 one, but it got delayed because of COVID, but 
we were going to, um, we were going to go to, I know big, big oof, but, uh, no, I went to the Zelda one and like, I just, every time they would show stuff like on the screen and I, the music would start, like, I would just like fall apart. I was like, I love this. And then when they played Fee's theme, I was like, oh, I was, I was dying. I know. I think we, Lyndon and I, annoyed the heck out of the people who were around us because every time they would start <laughs> something, we would go, oh, 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 this is from. Oh, no, me, no, me too. I would literally like smack Kyle. I was like, this is from this Zelda game. This is what's happening right now. And Kyle's like, stop. I'm like, no, you just and watch. No, be excited. Get on my level yeah, of excitement. Get on my level, boy. Like, this is legit. <laughs> but that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not that obviously when you're sitting down in the symphony, you get all those big feels and it's its own special experience. But like Skyward Sword has a lot of those feels just in by the game. default, right. like just in the game. You know, yeah. it had orchestrated music. It had a confident art style. It had a, a beautiful art style, which it was just watercolor. Like it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was done a complete disservice by the fact that the Wii was not an HD console. But I mean, yeah, but but it's it's a great art style. Um, The story is great. The music is great. So I think I think Nintendo is probably correct in their assumption that they can make a a good turnaround on Skyward Sword this time. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But that's what I'm talking about. So with this 35th anniversary celebration with Mario, I think it was much more generally about celebrating the legacy of a character. This time around, I think it's much more about Nintendo realizing that they can rake in some big bucks by releasing some of the best games of all time on the Switch. It's much more about the games. Um, And if we can... This is my this is my dream. I know I know that they released the like Zelda Joy Cons, which are absolutely stunning. Uh, oh, those but are amazing! I am waiting. I am wait, and I truly think when they release the like the like you said the Super Nintendo Switch, like the 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 the, the, the revamped, you know, whatever. I am really thinking that when they do. That especially in ties with the 35th of Zelda, that they're going to do a Zelda edition. Because I mean, think about it. They've done Mario. They did the the Red Joy Cons. They did uh, Animal Crossing. They've done uh, Monster Hunter. Cultural phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I was like, they have. (laughs) Excuse me. They have to. Like they have to. If if we are correct in assuming, and and we'll actually here, can we circle back around to this, Kylie? We asked what you think is coming with the 35th anniversary. Matt, I want to know what you think is coming for the 35th anniversary. Yeah, so I'm I'm 100% on board with. Um, obviously, we know for a fact Skyward Sword's coming out. I think we're gonna get. I don't think we're gonna get three other games. I think we're just gonna get a dual pack. I do. I do 100% think we're gonna get a Wind Waker and a and a Twilight Princess. Like I it's, agree. it's time. Yeah. It's time for for Wind Waker to get uh, an upgrade. So I 100% think that's coming. Wait, but it but it got that. The, so what No, it's it got it on the Wii U. Right. From the GameCube to the Wii U. I think it's going to go from the Wii U to to Switch. But not a graphical upgrade. It's just going to be a Yeah, port, I think it'll be a port. port. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't think it's going to yeah. be a graphical no, upgrade. Yeah, okay. No, okay. I'm not saying okay. it's going to be like Okay, no, 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 gotcha, no. gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. If, if that was if that was confusing. No, I don't think it's going to get like a like a Skyward Sword remaster or anything. I think it's going to get ported to the Switch alongside the um HD remaster of um Twilight Princess which was also on the Wii U. So I think we're going to get both of those. Um I I honestly do think we're going to get at least some form of um, Zelda historical library on the eShop. 
Um, I don't know how extensive that's going to be because I know like some of the SNES games you can buy various places. Um, I think yeah. it's I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to see some of those old Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color right. games go to the eShop. So this with is no upgrades whatsoever, just yeah. port. Yeah. So this is why this is confusing. And actually you so you and I are kind of on a page about this. My big prediction was obviously Skyward Sword. Obviously, I think we all think Twilight Princess HD, Wind Waker mm-hmm. HD yeah. are coming over. Um, I was going to predict a top-down yeah. retro Zelda collection of some kind yep. where you get not like, yeah, not... Not everything. Not, not HD remasters no. of old games, but you do just get the... Uh, almost like you were playing it as a ROM. I mean, exactly. you get Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages, Minish Cap. Um, Which I would love to have Minish mm-hmm. Cap on the Switch. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, that game so much. Very good game. I can see them doing that kind of thing. The reason that that is a little unsure to me is just because Nintendo's strategy around their back catalog in the Switch generation has been interesting, mm-hmm. I guess. it's So, like, it was easy in the Wii U and Wii era because we had Virtual Console, right? Right. And it was just kind of a given that most of these games were going to be able to be purchased piecemeal on the Virtual Console. Now we've got the, uh, the NES and Super NES libraries on the switch if you uh subscribe to their to their um service yeah and and that's but that's that is exactly what makes me think that we'll get at least some version of the top-down game boy era um zelda games on either the eShop or a service similar to to yeah. what they have for nes and snes and, and, I, and i think it's i think honestly it's a little overdue because I, I can't imagine it would be that terribly difficult to take you know the existing mac port even like they have mac ports of this mm-hmm. stuff where you can just play it right yeah. and and translate that to a switch console sure yeah i mean look i think i think 100 that we get a re-release on Switch of a of an older Zelda game with no frills because that's what we got with the the Super Mario 3D All Stars. Right. We got we got Mario 64, we got Mario Sunshine, and we got Mario Galaxy, and they each came with a f- a few very minimal uh, mechanical adjustments and almost nothing else besides that. We're not talking about full even like Majora's Mask ocarina of time 3d level yeah, remasters right. which by the way i don't think that we'll be getting either majora's mask or ocarina of time on the switch in the 35th anniversary i, I think they're i think they're too new with 3ds if you say that but that's still like 10 years i mean that's, there's no way that's 10 years ago yeah it, no. it really oh i've is. aged oh i've aged oh, in, this, yeah. just in this conversation yeah. <laughs> The thing the the time period isn't what kind of has me questioning that. I think that if you're going to try and get some sales off of an older title in the anniversary year of this series, Ocarina of Time is a great bet because it is the one, right? I like mean, a, a lot of people. It's still, the golden child. Yeah, sure. Yes. A lot of people still consider it to be the one. What I'm not sure of is how much effort that costs for how much effort that requires for Nintendo to get Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time 3D on the Switch. Given that, so sure, uh, you move it over to the console and the graphics still look fine, but you have to re-engineer a lot of that game to function without a second touchscreen. Yeah, that's true. So, so I don't know. I don't know how difficult. Here's that a is. thought. Like this is this is very wishful thinking. But like, what if Nintendo went like balls to the wall, where they straight up like, you know, they did the 35th, like you said, like Wind Waker and Twilight Princess and whatever, and they were like, hey, 
every Zelda game that you've loved and played over the past years is available on the eShop. Go for it. I would die. Like, right? Yeah, Minish I, I Cap. Like, I'm this. talking even the DS ones where it's like Phantom Hourglass and uh, Spirit Tracks. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we'll throw Minish Cap and Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages and like just Link to the Past. Man. Like, everything. They're just like, you know what? Let's give them what they want. Let's just take it all. Everything. They're like, we can't I complain now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if there's an easier and quicker way for Nintendo to get me to automatically spend three hundred. See, that's what I'm saying. Oh, like one, they can, one they can absolutely. Then, like... And then here's here's the cherry on top. So you know how they released the the 35th of like the Mario pens? They did something with Zelda. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, my, oh that's what I'm saying. I like they did that, and then they're like, oh, and on top of all of it, here's a Zelda Switch, and you're just like, cool, I'm broke. I'm too. broke. <laughs> Yeah. I would I would commit minor felonies to get to get a to get a pin, to get a pin set for Zelda like the one they released with Mario. I actually I actually I actually managed to get the first Mario pin set they came out with. I didn't try for the second one because the games that were in it I didn't love as much. But that first one had to be like honest. I didn't even NES. know there was a second one. <laughs> I thought there was just one. Yeah, it had. I didn't know that. Yeah, it had Mario Odyssey. Mario oh, okay. Yes, I remember there, now. I didn't know there were two sets. Okay. Honest confession, guys, I'm not super big into Mario. Like, I played Mario 64. I love Mario 64. I love Mario Kart and Mario Party. But, like, past that, I'm just like, I don't know. It's fine. Are you, are you okay? Do we Yeah, like, no, I mean, I'm fine. Do I'm we just need like, to have you examined? No, I don't think so. It's just not my <laughs> cup of tea, guys. I don't know. Does that make me no, a bad... No, 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 no. Person? Not at all, not at all. Fine. I mean, look, there is... You get an immersion with Zelda from like a story and that's standpoint. That's what I other. go for in yeah. games. I mean, and, and you just don't get that with Mario. You you go to Mario for the challenge and for the, I don't know, for the for the incredible platforming and for the mechanics of that genre. But it's a SSGs. very different style of game. So I think we've all talked about what we fully expect. And I think Kylie's given us a, a sneak peek on what she what her dream would be. My dream and and I have to obviously agree with everything Kylie said, but it, since I can't just, you know, totally uh, copyright everything that she said, I'm going to have to come up with something separate and apart from that. My dream would be not only the everything that I said that I expect, but also a um, official release of a Symphony of the Goddesses type um, musical uh, release with like overtures and and musical pieces from every Zelda game over the past 35 years. Well, they have to have that recorded somewhere. somewhere. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. So I guess here's here's my big thing. This is what it really all comes down to. Whatever we get, whatever we don't get in regards to older games or other media, what it's really going to come down to is does this all cap off with the Switch Pro launching alongside Breath of the Wild 2. Mm. We and 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 keep in mind, we know two things. One, we are getting more information on Breath of the Wild 2 this year. They have said that explicitly. They said we will tell you more this year. I'm assuming that's going to be an E3 thing. Number two, when there's smoke, there's fire on video game hardware releases, and there is a lot of smoke around the Nintendo Switch Pro right now. Um uh, I think Bloomberg actually had a great 
uh, piece of reporting last month on basically the roughly the exact components and specs that were going into the Nintendo Switch Pro. So Matt and Kylie, I'll ask each one of you in turn, Matt, do you think this all ends with a Switch Pro and Breath of the Wild 2? I think absolutely this ends with Breath of the Wild 2 as a launch title for the Switch Pro. Kylie? Um, no, I agree that I think if they do a Switch Pro, that it, the launch will be Breath of the Wild 2 because it will be a huge push for people to want to not only buy it, but also buy the Switch Pro. Um, but I also kind of feel like um, with the whole like Breath of the Wild 2 thing, I feel like they've been kind of, that might be why they've been holding off. Like, I, I wonder if it's partially like them working on the game or if it's them holding out for the switch pro um that's that's like where i'm like cut either way like i can't tell if it's like them needing to finish stuff with the game or if it's like all right we're we're prolonging the production with it because we want to release it alongside the switch pro that's what i can't tell if I had to guess, I would say that Breath of the Wild 2 has been mostly done for a little while. And mm-hmm. they want to release it alongside the Switch Pro, which they have been forced to push back a little bit because of, you know, everything COVID. around everything around COVID, you know, acquiring mm-hmm. new parts, manufacturing, all of that. It's difficult right now. Ships getting stuck in that canal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I, I think what's happening is that and, and you know. If they have to delay things and they get a little bit more time to to polish their game, then so much the better. It's fine. It's Exactly. I think Nintendo is kind of the king of release the right thing at the right time and not a minute before. And For sure. I think that they're absolutely – if that is the case, then they're absolutely right to wait until the Switch Pro is ready and release Breath of the Wild 2 alongside that. Um, because a lot of people are going to pick up Switch Pros just just to play that, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it, I mean it's a good it's a good marketing strategy or uh, tra- uh, excuse me strategy. It's a good marketing strategy, and I also think too um, with that, I think I think they will definitely make it playable um, on the Switch as well. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they may add some incentive um, for the Switch Pro uh, with Breath of the Wild to for you know people to pick up on it kind of like they did um with breath of the wild you know i mean obviously it was available on the wii u and it it was gosh it was wasn't it yeah isn't that wild i remember that (laughs) yeah and it was was, it's so wild (laughs) oh god i'm vlogging out i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no but but i feel like they might do that um, but they'll have some incentive with the Switch Pro that will make people want to, you know, purchase it or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they'll maybe do both um, just because, you know, obviously it'll kind of suck where it's like, oh, you know, I have a Switch and we've, I've been waiting for Breath of the Wild 2 and now it's only available on this console. So that's what makes me think that they might they might do both. But like I said, yeah. they'll add something with the Switch Pro that will make people like you know, throw the extra bucks out more or less to, you know, play it on this. Yep. Absolutely. Or on the new console, but yeah, 100%. Okay. So we're about out of time before we get out of here. I want to give you guys one more question for each of you guys. Um, you can have one thing, your, your wildest wish you get it during the 35th anniversary of Zelda and it cannot be all the games on switch. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> it. 
Yeah. You, 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 you get one thing. Doesn't matter how crazy it is. You get it. What is it? Matt, you go first. No, don't go. Uh, Cause I'm a getting mine already. What is get, what is yours? Skyward Sword HD. Yeah. Honestly, like if, if I can't have all the games, um, it would be a Skyward Sword HD remaster because as like, I just feel that that game got gypped by the Wii. Yeah, that's fair. I that's really very do. fair. Like, Kylie, what would it be for you? Oh, goodness. I don't know. Like, I would honestly love to see a game that played off of Majora's Mask. I would love to see a game that, like, did something similar, like that mm-hmm. same, like, quirky, uh, like a kind whole of new like Zelda game. Yeah, like something kind of off of that. I think that would be really, really neat. Like, another mm-hmm. darker Zelda. Like, I would love to see something like that. Um, I don't know what it would entail, but I would love to see something along the lines of that. Do I think it'll ever happen? No, but I can dream. <laughs> Honestly, though, I think you might be getting at least a little bit of that. Breath of the Wild 2 looks seems, much darker, right? Seems to be. Exactly. I think it's yeah. following in the vein of Majora's Mask. Not only is it also the third direct sequel in all of Zelda, right? Because you've got uh, Link Between Worlds, Majora's Mask. There, and uh, Breath there's, of the a Wild few, there's a few more than that. But I mean, like... <sighs> Very only technically, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Breath of the Wild Two, in the vein of Majora's Mask, is not only a direct sequel but plays directly off of Ocarina of Time, and it's looking like it's going to be a much darker, uh, more um, intense, mature game, um, which right. I am all there for. Same, same. So fingers crossed. Like, I, I would love to see something like that um, again because really. The only time I ever really saw that like darker side was Twilight Princess and Majora's Mask. Like there was the only like really dark, like grittier Zeldas. So I would love yeah. to see something like that again. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I, I, I agree with what Matt's saying. I think that uh, I I think that there's a decent chance we get a little bit of that vibe with Breath of the Wild too. And right. for this for the same reasons that you want that so badly, Kylie, I want that so badly. When Zelda yes. d- when it when Zelda does weird, it does it really well. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so gonna gonna end things out with mine. I would want an Ocarina of Time Redux in the same way that Square Enix is redoing Final Fantasy VII. Ooh, that That's would be super intense. Cool. Okay. Are you talking like like a like a Zelda Ocarina of Time? Like, have you seen like the Unreal Engine type? Kind of like that, but even though even those still use the same rough code base of Ocarina of Time, and they go for a very similar vibe. Um, Final Fantasy VII's re-release that it's getting on the PlayStation right now is it's the same rough story as the as the PlayStation right original, but it is man in name only right like it is a it is a complete overhaul of that game it it's, tells the, it, it is it is final fantasy like it is the original final fantasy 7 up to a point yeah. and then you're like whoa what am i playing like it's wild yeah and if we accept ocarina of time as the zelda game like the the golden child the one especially from a Chosen narrative one yeah especially from a, from a narrative <laughs> standpoint most most Zelda games flow from Ocarina of Time. It's the it's the point where the timeline and the narrative splits. I mean, it's a monumentally important game for the for the Zelda series, but also it is the Nintendo analog of Final Fantasy VII. Like mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII, okay, Final Fantasy VII was a classic art, uh, JRPG on the PlayStation at the same time that Ocarina of Time 
was a classic action RPG-ish game on the N64. Like, they are equally important games in separate gaming circles, right? Exactly. Um, And I think that if there was ever a game Nintendo would do that with, and I don't know that they would because they don't kind of doubt it. They don't (laughs) they don't necessarily have a history of completely overhauling at least their main console games. They've done that a lot with the top downs. But um, I think that Ocarina of Time would be the one they would do it for. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's the one I would want. I want a Zelda Metroid crossover. Or Metroid crashes into Hyrule magical. Castle. You, you, <laughs> you, totally will, you will literally never get that. I'm totally kidding. No, you can, you yeah. can dream forever, though, right? You, you, can't even, you can't even get Samus in Mario Kart 8. You're not going to get it. Which is really depressing. Yeah. Poor Samus. Oh, man. So. Guys, this has been such a fun conversation. Kylie, seriously, thank you so much for hanging out a little later and, and just having this chat with us. Um. I mean, yeah, like I said, uh, we really are excited to have um, this bonus episode platform to be able to just kind of uh, spin off about a, a different topics than we cover in the main show. So in that, I think we've been a great success here tonight. Absolutely. This has been a ton of fun. Our, for our first guest, I feel like we uh, really got all of the uh, proverbials money's worth. Yeah. Hit, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. We, were we supposed to pay you? No, 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 you guys, money. you guys are good. I enjoy doing this. You guys are fine. <laughs> this was so much fun. And awesome. I'm so glad. Well. So yeah, we, thank we, you for joining us. We really can't wait to have you back on Kylie again. Yeah. Please everyone go give Kylie a follow, follow her work. It's, it's amazing stuff and, and well worth, um, well worth a few clicks. So, um, I think that's about all that we have for tonight. Uh, next week we'll be back again, of course, with our regularly scheduled Ocarina of Time programming. We have three more bonus episodes that we're anticipating dropping before we're done with Ocarina of Time. Those are going to uh, include a conversation with just Matt and I. Um, we also are going to have a conversation with Eric Buchholz, who did the rearrangement of the Ocarina of Time soundtrack for uh, for the Hero of Time Symphonic Orchestra, and uh, we're very excited to talk to him about that. And then we're also going to have a game developer from a AAA studio who's going to come on and talk to us about just why the Water Temple is so infamous in game design history. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of great conversation there. Um, let's see. Man, I don't need to give you guys the usual outro spiel because you're already on (laughs) the Patreon. But uh, I would just say, again, please go leave us reviews on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We really appreciate that. And write in some listener mail. Yes, continue writing in listener mail. We love getting it. Um, You know, just whatever whatever occurs, we'll, we'll, we'll hash it out here on the podcast. But in the meantime, may your hearts be full. And may your arrows never miss. We'll catch you guys next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, Our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. Bye!